Welcome back to Minus 16 with me, David Lewis. Another look through some of the best Apple news that's occurred in the last couple of weeks since we last had a podcast up. Thank you to each and every one of you that has downloaded and listened to the first episode. As I said, it's going to be with you every two weeks. I think I'm going to settle on trying to have it ready for you for early on a Saturday morning, certainly here in the UK is what I'm thinking of, ready for your weekend ahead. Let me know if you think that's a good idea. And also, all sorts of things been going on behind the scenes. I have now started my members-only newsletter. So if you go over to my website, talkingtechandaudio.com, you'll find there's a submission page there where you can leave me your contact details. And I would love to send you my newsletter, which goes out over a weekend. It's just a very informal chat about what's going on, things that I've been up to, and ideas I've got about upcoming videos for the YouTube channel. Don't forget, in the notes to this podcast, you'll find also where you can read me over on Medium, where I blog oh, increasing amounts, actually, about three or four times a week. You can find me there, and I'd love to have you along. And uh, Catch up with you during the week when I'm not either on YouTube or doing podcasts, which, uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> doesn't seem many days spare at the moment, does there? Anyway, 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 I'm going to start this week with AirTags. They were released last year, of course, at WWDC, and there was a fair amount of discussion about them then. Well, that discussion has carried on and also has gained some sort of speed over the last month or so because of some reports over in the U uh, US where... A model was followed. Somebody slipped a AirTag into her handbag and she was followed for a good number of days. And this is something I did actually write about on a blog. But just a couple of things to point out. First of all, be vigilant, uh, particularly if members of your family have been out and about. And obviously, as the pandemic and lockdowns end, more of us are getting out and about now. Just be vigilant. What you can do on your iOS devices is if you go to Find My, then go to Items, which you'll find at the bottom of that screen, and tap Add AirTag. That will pop up a screen and show if there's any air tags nearby. So it's worth just checking that. That's a very quick way to see if there's any air tags around you that you don't know. Maybe you want to do that for your family members as well. And also make sure that item safety alerts is turned on so that if an uh, air tag is placed near you, you'll be getting alerts. Just a couple of things to do. Now, apparently, some of the nefarious people out there, and let's face it, something like an air tag, if somebody wants to misuse it and use it as a tracking device, they're always going to be able to. And there are far easier and cheaper ways, I think, than buying an AirTag to try and track somebody. That was never their intention. It was always going to be left open to misuse, sure. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that Apple will have been aware of that when they were developing it. And the case that I mentioned ago about the model, that is not a solitary case. And in fact, uh, somewhere out on the web, there are people selling AirTags that have learned how to disable the speakers on them, believe it or not, so that if an air tag is on or being placed next to you and you don't know about it, what generally happens is that an audible warning will go off, drawing your attention to the fact that there's an air tag near you. And some people online have decided it was a clever thing to do to disable the speakers. I don't know where these people get off thinking that's a great idea, but there you go. People have been trying to uh, fiddle with the air tags and sell them online so they're easier to use for tracking. But uh, Apple have actually come up with a raft of ideas recently whereby they're trying to make security front and center with the air tags because they've realized that there is possibly a problem. So one of the things they've done is when you first get an air tag and are putting it on your device, it will have a very big warning saying any misuse of this and we will be contacting police or law enforcement. Now, clearly, if the, you are the sort of person that has bought an air tag purely with the idea of trying to track and trace somebody, 
then that little warning isn't going to put you off. But they've put a number of various other measures behind that as well to try and make sure that these air tags are just a little bit safer for their intended use. And, you know, for what they're meant to be for, finding keys, wallets, even pets, they're a great thing. But uh, as for these people that think they can slip them into somebody's bag or somebody's pocket and try and track somebody, the other thing they do, I mentioned, they have this audible warning that comes out. Well, not only do they have an audible warning, you also get a message that comes up on your screen. And it's always been a little bit of a secret, and I understand why, as to how soon that warning is going to come up. Um, Apple obviously don't want you to know it's going to be precisely 15 minutes, half an hour. But the rule of thumb is that it's going to be somewhere within half an hour now, which is certainly quicker than the previous um, notifications were coming up. So that is another one of the measures they've taken to try and just make these air tags a little bit safe to use. Um, do you use them? I'd, I'd be interested to know if you use air tags and what you think of them, and also what you think of these measures that that Apple have put in place to try and make them just a little bit more secure. Get in touch with me, David at talkingtechandaudio.com, and give me your thoughts on air tags, their uses, how you use them, and what you think of these safety measures. So a couple of weekends ago, I actually took a little bit of time away from the studio and I went up to Westfield, which if you don't know, in the UK, there are several Westfield shopping malls, centres around the UK. I went to the one at Shepherd's Bush in London. It's been years and years and years since I've gone there. And one of the reasons I went there was because they got a big Apple store. And it's the first time I've been into an actual Apple store in a long time. The uh, store I normally go to near to where I live is a reseller. As you know, there are a number of Apple resellers around, and I generally use one of those. But this was the first time I've been into a genuine Apple store for a long time. So I just wanted to take it in and see what the experience was like. And it was fantastic. It was busy, so busy. There wasn't actually a queue to get in. There were signs outside the door saying, although masks aren't mandatory, they'd much rather you still wear masks. And all of the staff without exception still were wearing masks. But the experience in the store, as you would have expected, is kind of second to none, actually. It was large, vast. There was plenty of stock out on display. And I think one of the things that surprised me was the amount of products that were being bought. I saw so many people going out the doors with watches, iPads, iMacs. The spends in there, I'm thinking an average spend in there's got to be 12, 13, 1400 pounds. And I saw so many people walking out the door with, with goodies that uh, their takings must be huge. Sure, they've got big overheads. But the other thing that noticed, uh, I noticed rather, when I was in the shop was that <laughs> all of us, the punters, the clients, the customers, had kind of this almost an almost ethereal kind of smile on our faces. It was like we'd come home to the, the coming of Christ kind of thing, if you know that feeling or that emotion that I'm trying to, dis, um, trying to describe to you. It was the oddest thing. Everyone just seemed to have a, a kind of a, a benign smile all over their face. This is really where they wanted to be and what they wanted to have. It was odd and wonderful to look at at the same time. So I had a good look around the store. As I say, there's plenty of product there. There was everything you could possibly to have wanted to look at you could have, including, for me at least, the first time I saw a Pro XDR display. I'm going to be coming back to displays in a little while's time, but that display, apart from the design of it, the back of it looks so gorgeous, so industrial. It's a thing of beauty, it really is. But the colours are so deep. I mean, I, I thought I knew what I was going to look at, but... I had no idea. I mean, clearly the images they put up on the screen were optimised to show off the colour density, but I launched Apple TV and had a look at a few things there as well. And the colours on there are just stunning, absolutely stunning. 
And the other thing I did whilst I was in the stores had a really good look at the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Now, I'd love to have your input on this. I'm not sure what to do. At some point this year, I need to think about refreshing my Mac lineup, which currently consists of, well, under the desk where I'm recording this in the studio now is a woeful 21.5-inch iMac that really is only good for opening up spreadsheets and sending an email. It is awful. Um, so that's kind of relegated to a, a bit part at the moment. Don't quite know where that's going to go. The two main Macs I use on a day-to-day -day basis are a 2019 MacBook Pro and a 2015 iMac 27-inch, which was fully specced up uh, for the graphics design business that I run. Uh, and it's still doing a fantastic job. I'm noticing odd little signs of it slowing down. Uh, so I'm trying to strategize uh, buying a Mac because the last thing you want to do is a Mac to stop and then have to buy one. When you use it for business, as I do both in graphic design and for this brand on the YouTube channel and the podcasts, you want to kind of do a nice slow transfer. And also, just going off off topic here slightly, I didn't in men intend to mention this. It wasn't on the notes I had for, the, for this episode. I'm thinking about when I get a new Mac, rather than setting it up from the, uh, you know, you get the prompts to set up from a previous Mac. I'm thinking about setting up brand new. That way, just listen to my logic I won't get a whole load of stuff coming over that perhaps I don't need. Every time I find I need something, I can just install it and launch it. That way I know whatever I'm putting on the Mac is what I currently need. Good or bad idea? Let me know. David at TalkingTechAndAudio.com. So my query with the MacBook Pro really comes down to the screen. I don't essentially need to be mobile. I tend to be desk-based, be it in the studio here or at my office. So being mobile isn't hugely important to me. And of course, for a laptop, you do pay a princely sum for the fact of its mobility. So I'm not sure if the MacBook Pro is for me from that point of view, but it's also the display, which is absolutely stunning. The 120 hertz refresh rate is an amazing screen. Colors are so lifelike and true. That side of it I adored, but the kind of work I do, which is in, well, the Adobe Creative Cloud Suite most of the time, so it's with uh, something like Adobe Audition that I'm recording this podcast in, or Photoshop when I'm making thumbnails for the videos, and of course Premiere Pro uh, when I'm making videos for YouTube. Most of those things need a fair bit of real estate, need a fair bit of screen size, and uh, of course with the 16-inch, that is what I'm sacrificing. Now it is by laps, laptop standards, a big display. But I'm used to working on a 27-inch iMac and the 15-inch MacBook Pro that I mentioned to, generally, if I'm working with it properly, will be hooked up to a, a, another monitor. At the moment, I'm just using it as a secondary display alongside the 27-inch uh, iMac. But um, it's that 16-inch display that I, I still can't decide if it's for me or not. And it seems just sacrilegious to buy a MacBook with that beautiful display and then hook it up to a secondary display that's going to be nowhere near as good. Now, I'm not sure if it's an age thing or not. I was actually in the Apple store with my daughter's boyfriend. He's a, an audio editor himself. And he said, no, not for me. Couldn't work on that screen. And I found that interesting, actually, because I thought that was a generation thing. I thought the, the younger generation had been brought up with laptops and tablets and were perfectly at home with it. But he kind of almost reinforced my thought as a slightly more mature user <laughs> that uh, a laptop, perhaps for the kind of work that I'm doing, isn't the best idea. So I'm not going to jump in it just yet. There seems to be lots of Macs that are being spoken of this year. There looks like there could be an iMac Pro 27-inch. Uh, MacBook, the Mac Pro doesn't really interest me because it's still going to be way more than I need. But what they're going to be doing with the Mac Pro and Mac 
Max chips does interest me to see what machines they go into. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment's time. But still in Westfield and away from Apple, the other thing that really fascinated me was the car showrooms in there. There was a Lexus display, but then actual shops, if you like, well, they were shops, were Polestar and Tesla. So, of course, being a techie, I went into Tesla and had a little look around. They had a display car in there, and the lovely chap came and took my details. I don't know if anything's going to come of it. I can see myself in a Tesla, certainly, but I'm not sure if anything's going to come of that little exploration into the world. But what surprised me was that they have no showrooms, he was telling me. They are all in shops and shopping centres like Westfield. So if you want to go and buy a Tesla, and I'm assuming the same is probably true with Polestar, you don't go to a dealership, you just go to a shop. That would be one of the most expensive shopping trips I'll ever make, but you just go to a shop and buy a car. How weird is that? But I'm taking Teslas and I don't know why. It's not as if they're particularly pretty, but I think they tick the tech box for me. They're kind of the nerdy me. And believe me, there is plenty of nerd in me. So I have got Monterey running on all of my Macs now. And since I've installed it, I've had a couple of issues with the Creative Cloud, with Adobe's Creative Cloud. I've had freezes and where programs have just completely stopped and frozen and relaunched. Now, one of the good things is they're pretty good in auto-saving, and I do try to save as regularly as I can, but it's still a proper pain when they decide to crash. I had it uh, just a few hours ago, actually. I was working on a thumbnail for a video, and I wasn't doing anything particularly intense. I was putting a border around a thumbnail, nothing more than that, and it just froze, absolutely froze on the effects pane. Nothing I could do about it. Um, And I've noticed that also in Audition. So I don't know if there is a bug with Monterey and Adobe. I've been on some Adobe forums, haven't had any joy in finding out about it just yet, but it's something I'm going to keep my eye on. Now, that leads me very neatly around to updates. As I say, I have just updated both of these Macs and even that woeful 21.5-inch iMac that I've got. They're all on Monterey now. I leave it a little while on an operating system before updating. That's purely because some of the plugins that I use for both brands just need a little while for all of the third parties to catch up. So I don't do the install on an operating system straight away. But as soon as I feel comfortable, I do. Main reason for that is security. Apart from all the lovely new gadgets and toys and bits and bobs you get with a new operating system, a lot of it is to do with safety. So that's why I'm keen on doing it. But updates... If we look at iPhones and iPads, how quickly do you do them? I only ask because many of my family members are and friends are scared of updating. And I don't really know why that would be. There seems to be, again, this is something I wrote about on a blog over on Medium. And uh, I don't really know why that would be. It seems to be that there's this worry that either there's not going to be enough space to install your operating system, which if it's a newish phone, shouldn't be a problem. And... Also, again, it's this thing of, will everything work after I install the update? Well, uh, yes, <laughs> it will. These updates aren't released to us until they're absolutely bulletproof. I mean, sure, there might be tiny, tiny little nags with it, which they'll do in a, a further patch update. But when they release these updates, they've been developed and then they've been in beta or beta before they get released to us. And again, the major thing they combat is safety. So I implore you, please, when you get a, a message on your iPad iPhone or iOS device about updating, do it. Just be safe. You know there are some nasty, nasty people out there that are just trying to ruin your day. And these updates 
really do help put that to one side. So get those updates done. And if you are worried about them, again, email me and just let me know what it is that worries you about updating. Before we get on to some more serious news, I thought a little bit of uh, a little bit of throwaway news, a little bit of junk wouldn't be a bad idea. So I haven't actually yet got the AirPods Max. Uh, I'm a he- headphone nut, as uh, you'll probably know if you've looked at my YouTube channel where I review and talk about uh, various sorts of headphones. Add in for night and really, to be honest with you, more than is healthy. But anyway, so I like a headphone. It's not gonna, I'm not gonna run away from that fact and hide. But I haven't bought the AirPods Max simply because they're, I think, because they're consumer grade, so they're going to be very colourful in their sound. I'm used to a more flat sound. Uh, and I'm not sure how self-conscious I'd feel about wearing them out. I love the idea of noise cancelling on them. Um, if I'm out for a walk near a road, sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts through AirPods, I lose the dialogue. So I'd love the idea of the noise cancelling the over-the-ear AirPods Max would offer. But, um, and also, of course, you can't get lossless through them at the moment, at the moment. Apparently, they're working out a way for later this year to be able to listen to lossless music via Bluetooth. No one's quite sure how they're doing that yet. But uh, anyway, the reason I brought up the AirPods Max was, did you see a little while ago that Gucci decided to release a case for it? It is A, not particularly nice looking, not my kind of style at all, but the money, it was about £700 odd. It was hugely, hugely expensive. Why, oh why, pray tell, if you go and buy a pair of AirPods Max that has a case that comes with it that puts it into sleep mode, and I know it's not the prettiest of case that it comes with, but why would you then go and buy, for that much money, a Gucci case? Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make. I can't believe it's going to be a big seller. I really can't. I'm sure there's some people with more money than sense will go and buy it. But uh, once again, not for me. <laughs> um, one of the big features that's coming up on iPhone later this year in an iOS update. I'm not sure it's going to be on 15.4. That's about to come out next month, as I record this. Is the tap to pay feature which is a fantastic feature that doesn't seem to be getting an awful lot of attention, and I'm not sure why. Basically, if you've been into, say, a restaurant or a shop, you might well have seen at the point of sale there is an iPad that's got a little square box in it, and they use that as a card reader so that you can make your your payments. Well, the barrier to entry for being an entrepreneur has now completely crumbled, as pretty soon there's an NFC feature within, within iOS devices that they've enabled, and you'll be able soon to either just tap your card or if it's an iPhone to iPhone, you can just tap iPhones and payments can be made. So if you're an entrepreneur or starting a business and you want to get paid, it's one less excuse for people not to pay. You can just hold out your iPhone, tap and it's done. And depending on the bank that you're with, the money will be with you virtually immediately. It's a stunning, stunning innovation. Fantastic future, I think that's got it. Great use. Um, And it just doesn't seem to be getting an awful lot of attention. And I don't know why, because I think it's an amazing thing to be able to just tap a phone with your card. And again, it's one less thing you need to do. Talking of cards, actually, I never take any debit cards out of me now. I purely use Apple Pay. It seems one less thing to lose when you're out and about. And uh, how about you? Let me know. Do you still take cards with you? Do you use a MagSafe wallet on your phone and take a card out? I just think, why bother? The phone's got it all. And the few people now that don't take Apple Pay, well, if they don't, I can always find someone else to buy whatever it was I was looking for. Although I did get caught out last weekend. I had my car cleaned and they only took cash. <laughs> Luckily, I had a little bit of cash on me, enough to pay for, and it's not often I have cash on me anymore. Not that I'm saying I'm like royalty, but um, 
yeah, I, I luckily had just about enough cash to pay for the car to be clean, but I haven't heard of anybody only taking cash, no credit card payments, no Apple Pay. But uh, yeah, generally, I think everyone now, certainly in the mainstream shops, takes and accepts Apple Pay. So why bother taking your card out? One less thing to lose. So tying in quite nicely and quite possibly our last point on this week's uh, or this episode of Minus 16 is to do with what Macs we've got coming and also displays. I think I'll start with displays. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier on that if you're going to buy a 16-inch or 14-inch MacBook Pro with their gorgeous, gorgeous screens on, the crime of putting it into clamshell mode or even having it by the side of and hooked up to another third-party display is just, I can't think of anything worse. You've got a gorgeous display tucked away. But it now would seem that Apple are going to dip their toes back into the display market. Of course, a few years ago, they were kind of in bed with LG and they had the ultra-fine series because I think LG make the actual panels that we look at on iMacs. So Apple did retail some LG ultra-fines, 4K and 5K monitors, which were good, although not particularly Apple-esque in design, a little bit plasticky, and there's been a few glitches as well. So I've heard with people using them. And before that, of course, it was the Apple Cinema uh, display. And I think that was the last time they were really in the display market. Well, this year, apparently, we could be getting three displays. I mentioned earlier on about that Pro XDR display, which is gorgeous, but don't forget the display itself is £5,000. And if you want a stand, which is kind of useful, it's another £1,000 on top of that. So that display is £6,000, which if you're a very high-end professional and you need colour calibration of the highest order, then I kind of get that it would be worth it. But I think the users that would find that uh, useful on a day-to-day basis, it's fair to say, are few and far between. So Apple have got smart to that now, and they look like they could be releasing three, well, anything from consumer up to prosumer level monitors this year. So it looks like we could be getting a 24-inch monitor, a 27-inch monitor, and, of course, then something to replace the Pro XDR, a 32-inch monitor. The 24 and 27 make absolutely stunning sense, as, of course, they already sell a 24-inch iMac and a 27-inch iMac. So, basically, it's a case of just whipping out the components inside and selling the monitor only. And then, obviously, they will replace and improve on the, well, if they can improve, on the Pro XDR display that I saw at the weekend. Prices aren't confirmed yet. I think the high-end one is still likely to be around the £6,000 mark. And the other two, it seems, are going to be ranging from anywhere from something like 1700 1800 for the 24-inch to around maybe two and a half for the 27, two and a half, sorry, that's bad of me to say that, uh, two and a half thousand pounds for the 27 inch. But uh, now that would be a seriously tempting thought, not so much for the MacBook Pro, because if you've already spent maybe north of 3,000 pounds on a MacBook, going and buying a monitor for 2,000 pounds makes it a very costly investment. But where I am interested is in amongst all the Macs that are being talked of for this year, there are the possibility of us seeing two new Mac Minis. And it would seem that, because of course the Mac Mini last year is one of the first Macs to have the M1 chip in it. And this year it looks like it could be the first to have the M2 chip, which now let's not get confused. The M2 chip isn't better than the M1 Max or M1 Pro. It's the next iteration of the M1. So it won't be quite as powerful as those big beast chips, but it's it's an improvement on the original M1 chip. And it looks like the M2 might go into a a low consumer entry-level Mac Mini. And then 
I think there's a very good chance the M1 Max could make it into the Mac Mini, and that would be the professional level one, and it would have more ports, and it'd be super quick. And of course, then if they're selling displays as well, because as you're aware, the Mac Mini comes with nothing, it is just the box. You have to buy all the peripherals to go with it. Well, then, then they've got a display that they can sell along with the Mac Mini, which makes great sense, don't you think? So I can see them doing that. And just to bear out my thoughts on these Macs coming fairly soon, possibly as soon as the event in March, which interestingly, Apple still haven't confirmed, but everybody um, but everybody is saying it's going to be on Tuesday, 8th March. Uh, and I'll be looking at that. Um, I might even do an extra podcast when they do that event, just to let you know what they've released. It's not expected that there's going to be a great deal at that event. So the only things that seem certain at the moment are uh, iPhone SE with 5G, woohoo, and a revision to the iPad Air. So not a lot coming. Maybe some new colours, some spring colours for the iPhone range too, but we might just get some Mac Minis. And what uh, leads me to believe that is the case, they have just registered some new numbers, some new uh, patent numbers with the Eurasian database. And if you want to be super nerdy, they are the A2615, the A6. 2686 and the A2681. But behind the scenes, the actual things that they have patented and reserved there with those numbers are two laptops, sorry, two desktops and a laptop. The laptop almost certainly would seem to be an entry level MacBook Pro 14, which will still be using the old layouts, have the touch bar. Um, but it just means they can put the M2 chip in there, take off some ports, keep it nice and affordable, slightly less expensive than the other MacBooks. So kind of like got an entry-level MacBook Pro. And then the two desktops could well be the two Mac Minis that I've just been discussing. It could be the Mac Mini with the M2 chip inside, and then it could be the Mac Mini, the professional-level Mac Mini with the M1 Max. And that would be super tempting if they're selling... Let's say, let's just assume that the M1 Max could be, I don't know, what, 1,200, something like that, 1,300 pounds. Put a monitor with that. You're still getting a hell of a lot of kit for around about sort of 2,500 pounds. iMac kind of territory. But of course, it means that if you ever want to just change and upgrade the Mac Mini in the future, you've got much less investment than going out and buying a brand new iMac. So going almost full circle, you can see why I'm confused as to which way I should go. I think I need to look at the Mac lineup that I've got at the moment. Uh, predominantly to do with, I think, I think I've noticed some issues with the SSD on my 27-inch iMac. Nothing critical yet, but also the export speeds are woefully slow. The videos I put out onto YouTube, which tend to be about 10 minutes long in 4K, are taking around about 45 minutes to render and export. And generally what happens, I get the first export done, watch it, and I'll see something I don't like. And I have to go back and do another edit and another export and render, which means it's another 45 minutes. And when it does that, the machine that that is on is rendered virtually useless because all of its resources are going towards exporting and rendering. So yes, I'm looking at where I should go next with Max. And I would love your help if you want to get in touch with me. Don't forget the email is david at talkingtech talkingtechandaudio.com. I'd love to have your input and advice in helping me. I don't know whether to get MacBook Pro with a display, assuming displays come out this year, whether to get the 27-inch iMac Pro when that comes out, as we think it is later in the year, but that could be much later in the year, or a Mac Mini with a monitor as well. Lots and lots of choices coming along, and I'd love to have your help on uh, let me know which way you think I should go. 
If you want to hook up with me on Twitter, by the way, it's at D Talking Tech. Uh, I try and put tweets up most of the days and it's fairly new. So I haven't got that many subscribers over there yet. As I mentioned, I'm over on Medium as well. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes here. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'll tell you what would really help me is if you could rate and review it. Um, when you rate it, I hope it's a good rating. <laughs> if it's awful, maybe don't. <laughs> but if you could go over on the uh, rate and review section on Apple Podcasts. It helps uh, the the podcast get noticed so that it just gets listened to by a few more people and uh, we spread the word out. So I think that's about all I've got to go through with you on this episode of Minus 16. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. If there's anything you want to discuss me in the interim, you can do it on Twitter. My DMs and they are open, so you can always DM me on Twitter or you can email me, david at talkingtechandaudio.com. But until next time, thank you for listening and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.